So what happens when you combine my insane curiosity with some of the world's most interesting people? You end up with incredible conversations full of stories, insights, and the defining moment that made them who they are today. This is The David Spizak Show. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the David Spizak Show live from NADA. And we're actually live from the innovation stage in the Techion booth. And um, I have the pleasure and the honor to be sitting next to uh, Jason Stein. Jason, what a pleasure to have you here. And thank you for joining. David, thanks for having me. It's good to see everybody. It's good to see all, all kinds of friends here uh, walking past. And what a, uh, what a 2019 this feels like. <laughs> It really does. Uh, yeah, where it's kind of like a scavenger hunt for answers. Well, it is that. Uh, a lot of questions, certainly within the industry, but you know, more importantly, we have the collection of uh, so many colleagues and friends and business associates who, you know, many of whom we have not seen in a long time. I mean, I think we saw most folks sparingly last year well, to some extent, but now it feels like it's just a kind of a, a full-on race to figure out where we are in the auto industry. And NADA is the usually sets the tone for the entire year to some extent from a thematic standpoint. It really does. I mean, there's, there's a lot of tremendous events and you've, you've actually been part of many, many, you've created many, many really memorable, impactful events, but this is the one where you typically could see everybody, right? You could do more business, get more done in two and a half days than you can typically in months or years. So Jason, I got to ask you, so last year to me, I felt like Vegas, you know, we had not seen each other, not just you and I, I mean, none of us had seen each other live for a couple of years. And I really felt like Vegas was a reunion, like a, like a reunion. Everybody's so happy to see each other get together. This feels different. Well, it was a reunion and maybe it was some people who you didn't want to see uh, for the last few years, but all of a sudden you had to see them. Uh, but no, uh, to a great extent, I think uh, you're right. This does set its own and answer a lot of questions for the audience, uh, you know, for the year. And look, you can buy uh, all the things that you've been missing out for the last few years, which is the car wash or the F and I, uh, you know, product or you know anything else. But the light wheel alignment rack, right? All of that's on sale. It's all, it's all, it's all good to go out the door here. But um, in a, in a more serious context, I mean, we're at a different kind of inflection point in the industry now than we were a year ago, because when you look at how you know, the macroeconomic forces that have changed so much in the last 12 months, and not only just interest rates, but also the fact that, uh, you know, used car prices are falling, inventory is now coming back online. So in this ever-changing auto industry, right, we just have another element of change because that's the only constant in this, in this deal is that, is that it will change and that it has changed. And so I think thematically, we just have so much more to talk about 12 months later than we did in Las Vegas. And uh, it's not that we're necessarily any smarter today than we were then <laughs> in fact well we were really smart in the last couple of years especially if you're a car dealer um really dumb in 2008 and 2009 but um you know everything has an ebb and a flow to it and here we sit and i think uh know a lot more about this industry now than we did last year for sure i i love that you said that i love that you put in that context i actually did a podcast episode i think that released yesterday that was titled what a difference a year makes Right. A year ago, a million cars in stock in the industry. This year, 1.8 million. Right. Last year, we were paying over index still quite a bit for used cars. No supply. This year, 
all of a sudden we're seeing wholesale. You know, last year, cars were selling at sticker over sticker. This year, I'm hearing that hated word mini, you know, come again. And it's interesting. I was speaking to uh, Brandis Drummer, the senior VP of NCM this morning, and it was it, there was a 17% increase with their clients year over year in profit from 22, 21 to 22. But if you, if you go back just the last three to six months, it's actually in decline. So, you know, it's, I think that it's a time where there's, you said it, we're very much in flux and it, there is a change in the wind and there's actually on many levels. And, and ironically, many of the same elements that were your friend as a dealer in 2020 and 2021 are now causing challenges. Yeah, but look at how much things have changed for the better. And the fact that the connection of the consumer is now uh, stronger than it ever has been before. The understanding of the consumer and what the consumer uh, will tolerate or how they can be served is very different than it was uh, a year ago. And so, you know, as an OEM executive said to me, the changes that are occurring now would have never occurred. They, they, they couldn't have pushed them through, uh, is, let's say, three years ago. But the 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 understanding, the closeness to the marketplace, the, um, the, you know, the build to order. I mean, we talked about build to order in Europe, but we didn't talk about build to order in North America because I want to, where's my car on the lot and I want to buy it now. Okay, well, now I'm willing to wait six to 12 months if I have to. And in fact, many of the buying habits of uh, either Gen X or uh, millennials have changed completely and they're actually willing to wait for things. By the way, I don't know any millennial that's willing to wait for anything, but um, in, including the next social media uh, interaction. But it, by and large, what we've seen is a wholesale change in the in the approach to the industry, in the approach to the consumer, and dealers just knowing how to operate their businesses more effectively. Of one danger, of course, is have we all sort of gotten a little too fat and happy during these times? The phrase we hated back before the last recession. So is it an opportunity to trim costs, look at acquisitions, look at ways to optimize businesses? Yes, yes, and yes. And uh, we're right back to having to make, uh, do something we haven't had to do in the last two and a half years and make some tough decisions. You know, and it's once again time to reinvent. You said something that's very interesting because, you know, a lot of people have there's like a very fine line where on one side we have record profitability, on the other side we have record uncertainty. And I think it's an uncomfortable place to be, but I love the fact that you spun that, not like a spin doctor, but you called out the fact that these are good times and a lot of really great things happen. Dealers learned to operate with fewer staff. You remember back in 08, the average store had 56 employees. 2018, right before the pandemic, they had over 70 didn't bring any productivity, didn't improve the client experience, didn't improve profitability. In fact, it hurt profitability. Now they've learned lessons from how to right-size their store and how to look at things differently. Well, I think the bigger concern now, too, is do you have the right people in the store? So you may have right-sized your store, but you may also have the wrong employee to some extent because do you, do you have the right employee to serve what's coming next? And I've talked to a number of dealers who've said, well, the folks who I brought in to sell cars in the last two years think this is really easy <laughs> because folks just come in and they go, well, I'll take that one and that one and that one. Please, and then I'll wait please for sir, may I buy that car? Correct. Yeah. But, what, but what are the skills that have been, um, what are the skills that will be needed when that situation changes? Because you know it's going to change because it's already changing. And we saw in January that incentives were popping up at some automakers. So who's the first to blink? 
right? Because someone's going to blink. And when inventory does increase, as it will over the next 12 to 18 months, do we have the right staff to service those uh, customers? Because they won't just be order takers anymore. And more importantly, do we have the right folks in the back of the shop to fix everything that's coming because of the mass changeover that's occurring in propulsion systems and technology and everything that we're talking about? We haven't even said the EV letters yet. Oh, I love that. Oh, let's talk about that. You, you love you love. Well, I think it's interesting. I don't... I. Listen, I believe that it's not a matter of good or bad. I think it's a matter always of good or different. Yeah. I think bad only comes into, into play when people don't embrace different. So talk about EVs for a second. You know, yes, they don't have brakes. I mean, they, they don't come in for brakes as often. They don't have oil. So the two biggest reasons why people would come in with frequency was a brake job and oil. But they still have tires. They still get wrecked. They still need details. And the thing I always say to dealers out there, please take the time to visit a Tesla dealership. Do yourself a favor. Go to the Tesla store and walk into the service department. It is looks like Tetris. It's a disaster. They've got more cars than they can handle for weeks. And, and those cars break. The second thing is this. We've lost 80% of our service and parts business to independence. Guess what? You could take that market share back as you go forward each year. They don't have the sophistication, the resources, the commitment, or the money, or the training to handle the sophistication of the EVs. Those cars are going to come into our service departments. Don't you think there's actually some positives there? No, there are. Uh, can I give you a really interesting analogy that's been used a couple of times? Um, you know, when you talk about buying satisfaction versus customer satisfaction when the when the T word when the Tesla is being serviced, right? The analogy is really simple. It's, it's a beautiful person who you're dating who really treats you like shit. Don't, sw- don't spill your water. Um, but that's, I mean... <laughs> Somebody give me a shamwell. <laughs> no, but, but, but that's the analogy though, right? Because it's a really terrible experience, service experience. And by the way, where have some Teslas been serviced here in the last six to 12 General months? Motors. Thank you. But exactly. again, that's my friend. point. Think that's exactly differently. Your point. Yeah. And, you know, a year ago, I hosted the super session that was here at NADA. And Renee Stevens of uh, We Predict, who, who, who analyzes all the service records of a lot of hybrids and EVs, showed some amazing statistics that there's just as much work, if not more work, and there's more money to be made on labor hours. Of course, you're going to drop off on things that you mentioned, but you're also going to pick up in areas that you haven't mentioned. And so I think there's lots of opportunity. Yes, the service side will be revolutionized. It, it, it's already going through that period right now. New people will need to be hired, trained, and new um, areas of the vehicle will need to be addressed. But there's lots of opportunity. And you know as well as I do, there's entrepreneurs in this room who have already figured it out. And there will be dealers that this year will be the best year of their lives. There will be oh, dealers yeah. in, with EVs that will have the best year of their lives because they will figure it out. And it's typically the dealers that are dominating now they're the ones that are already looking to make those changes. I have a question for you. And I know, and I want to jump over uh, to talk about cars and culture. Okay, I want to talk about what's next. And I know that you're still involved in automotive. And, and you're, I think that you're uh, Al Pacino uh, from The Godfather 3. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. And you still have people calling you. Hey, Jay, you know, they, they want you to be involved. They want you to moderate. They want you to provide your expertise. My question for you, two things. Number one, now that you're on the other side, 
where you where you're doing what you're doing and you're basically a free agent out there um what's changed and number two from your perspective that different perspective what do you think legitimately forget about all the rhetoric and the hype agency model evs uh, new franchise agreements or whatever it might be what do you think are the things dealers should be focused on this so two really different um, answers to two very different questions. One, yes, I'm absolutely very immersed in the auto industry still. Um, I'm, a, I'm the media advisor for the uh, Presidio Group based out of Denver and, uh, and Atlanta. Uh, I am working with, um, I'm, I'm doing business development for uh, Feldman Automotive, Jay Feldman, Mark Wahlberg. Um, and I have this little gig right here that's uh, 100 shows in on Business Channel 132 on Sirius XM and of course every podcast platform, YouTube, wherever into that space it goes. And um, yeah, 100 guests later, it's been an incredibly rewarding experience talking to athletes and actors and musicians and um, folks from industry as well. Uh, I'll interview Greg Kelly in the next coming, uh, you know, next few weeks. Greg Kelly, of course, was uh, in prison with Carlos Ghosn in uh, Japan for 40 months, spent 40 days in solitary confinement and asked if I would tell his story. So we'll do that in New York coming up, uh, which will be great. Um, now, your, your second question was uh, whether the industry... Uh, what, what do you think, dealers? Forget it. Put the hype and the rhetoric and all that aside. What should they be focused on? What are uh, the real opportunities? What are the real challenges? The real opportunities are optimizing their business and finding the extra uh, layer that may have built up over the course of the last 18 months that maybe needs to be eliminated just really focusing on the essentials of what got them here and doing what entrepreneurs do best, which is worrying about things when times are really good <laughs> and focusing on making times really good. And I think in that way, an entrepreneur and especially the American car dealer is always going to find a way to be profitable, successful and reinventing themselves. It's remarkable, isn't it? We saw it again you know, at the onset of the pandemic, of course, when it first hit, it was like a punch in the face, but it was amazing and yet completely predictable how quickly they kind of dug down, figured out what was going on, did an assessment, and then responded in kind. The resiliency of the American car dealer is remarkable. Oh, yeah. I mean, we saw that through 08 and 09 as well, and never doubt the American car dealer because... uh uh, they, uh, chances are they've been through more than we can possibly imagine and they know how to get out of it and they know how to thrive in it. So Jason, all right, so let's jump over to cars and culture again. It's on uh, station 132. Yep. Business channel 132. Business channel 132. Four times a week. Okay. So first of all, um, from the time you started to right now where you are now, what's different in terms of your expectations or where do you want to go from here or just perhaps, um, I don't know. I mean, shows tend to evolve. Yep. I tend to find, right? They tend to find kind of their path and their, their cadence. What's next for you with Cars and Culture? Uh, we're going to take it to network TV. That's the, uh, that's the idea. The goal is to take it to a, a place where uh, we can broadcast and use video and really enhance what we're doing on audio. And, you know, I, I believe there is a, a Netflix or an Apple TV or some sort of streaming service available where we go into people's garages and basically look at what they have and talk to them about being in the industry. How it's evolved is I had no idea the interconnectivity of this business from a consumer standpoint and the fact that there are so many people 
who have a passion and a love for the car that you would never even think about, that, 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 that you couldn't even dream. I mean, I started this whole mission sort of going, uh, well, I, I, I know uh, a few people. Let's see if they're interesting on the radio. And next thing you know, you pull on that string and, it's, and it just opens up wide. So. So, so let's talk about that. So of the hundred episodes, do you have a favorite episode? Uh, not to get you in hot water with the other 99, or talk to us about some of the favorite moments. Uh, favorite moments, uh, interviewing Guy Berryman, the bass player for Coldplay. Um, he's the, uh, for, uh, the art editor for Road Rat Magazine, based in the UK. And uh, nobody would know that the bass player for one of the biggest bands in the world, now on a 100-city tour, is as active in the car industry as he is. And he owns about 25 to 30 vehicles. And he picks out the artwork that goes into a very coffee table-like magazine that's about 300 pages thick, glossy every quarter. And um, it's an amazing magazine, uh, not that expensive, probably about a... Uh, What's know, the name of the magazine? Road Rat. Road, Road Rat, Rat Magazine. Road, Road Rat, Rat Magazine. It's incredibly well done. Great stories, great art, photography. It's put together extremely well. And, um, you know, that's, that's probably one of the favorites. The other one, because I'm kind of a music guy, would be um, uh, the uh, guitarist for uh, Paul McCartney, Brian Ray. Uh, Brian also has an enormous car collection, and it's just a great rock and roller. You know, and and started his gig with Paul 25 years ago at the at, you know played impromptu at the Super Bowl in New Orleans around 2000 or so, um, uh, actually 2001, right after 9/11, and um, and just ended up being a permanent member of the band. And what a great guy and a, a true car guy. But you know, there've been so many. They're just they're just really interesting people who are out there, and you know them too. Um, it, you know, no matter what walk of life, the common denominator is that they love the automobile. Isn't it, it is amazing, no matter what, well, I mean, so oftentimes in, in the social fabric today, you know, we have people that, that are, you know, you're labeled either a conservative or a liberal, Democrat, Republican, you know, or, or some other Canadian. fashion. Canadian. Canadian. Don't, don't get me started. Um, so, uh, oh, the three-party system, uh, eh? Um, but... It's amazing how the love of the automobile, people's fascination with it, their love, their stories, you know, there's, I'm guessing you must have some great stories about where that connection first came from and, you know, or that moment, because, you know, typically for most of us, when we get our driver's license, that is really our ticket to ride. I'll tell you one of the best stories was recently uh, with Jay Leno. He, he explained that he got his first job in the auto industry uh, working at a car dealership rolling back the odometer uh, so you know last week uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know there, there are those, between all of us there are those stories but typically it starts out with somebody who has a passion for for the automobile and um a, a gentleman who i just interviewed last week uh, uh juan manuel carrera who is a formula two driver in a injured in a very bad accident in belgium three years ago is now coming back into formula two after nearly losing his legs in an accident that actually killed antoine hubert um, you know, he got his start as a motorcycle uh, rider and his mother said to him at five years old, I don't want you riding the motorcycle anymore because uh, you're really going to hurt yourself, ironically. Uh, so he switched off into, into karting at five years old and won everything. I mean, he won in he's an Ecuadorian American from Miami. His father's a car dealer in Pensacola uh, and he went into karting. He won in America. He won in Europe. He worked all the way, Formula 4, Formula 3, Formula 2, got in this horrific accident, 
and has now spent the last two years in rehabilitation, would have lost his legs, should have lost his legs, didn't, and now will come back with a seat in Formula 2. You want to talk about inspirational stories. Um, he's not only a car guy. He's, uh, we don't have bad days, David, when you think about no what kidding. he went through. No so kidding. That'll air in a couple of weeks. Um, speaking of that, um, for people that haven't tuned into Business Channel 132 to be able to catch your show, can they catch those previous 100 episodes? Yeah. How do they do that? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, um, all, all kinds of things. Um, you can find it on every podcast platform, and, and there's the entire library of them there. Jason, who's on your wish list as you move forward into 2023 and beyond? Who, who's on your wish list? Who's on your list that you want to start crossing these off? Now that you've got 100 under your belt, you've had some fascinating conversations What's next? Who's uh, next? Reporters from Toledo, Ohio would be high on my list. Uh, <laughs> there he is, Larry Valaquit. Um, <laughs> who would be high on my wish list? I, I thought for sure you were going to say Dayton, but all right, Toledo, <laughs> have your way. Let's go with Toledo. <laughs> Transfer case uh, experts. Um, no, I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, honestly, there, there are so many interesting people who are out there. I Like the Pope? You got to want to know questions oh, about that boat mobile. He's got his own vehicle. If it's anybody who's help, held a set of car keys at any point, would be would be excellent. Uh, no, I mean, it, um, I I gravitate towards the entertainment industry because I think those people are just interesting anyway because they're already accomplishing things in, say, the music realm. Uh, you and I have uh, discussed this, uh, and now they're really, you know, they're super passionate about their vehicles. But I'll tell you what's interesting. When you get professionals like that to talk about something that's not exactly what they do, it ends up in a beautiful interview. And so um, I think the, the, the entertainment side, the athletes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually talking to Michael Andretti soon, uh, and you know the effort with Formula One and Cadillac. And so, uh, you know, I want to hear what, you know, Michael thinks it's a big conspiracy that the you know, team Andretti is not allowed into Formula One. I want to hear about that, and I want him to dig into it, maybe with his dad. Boy, that would absolutely be fascinating. Um, what episode's coming up next? Uh, so the next two or three episodes. So the next two or three, I mean, Juan Manuel Carrera okay, for the Formula Two drivers coming. I mentioned Greg Kelly. Those are the ones that are sort of top of mind. Um, you mentioned we you just were going to go to London. So. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to London to interview Christian Horner, who's the Red Bull team principal. And, um, and we're going to talk about the world championship that Red Bull had uh, last year as the constructors champion. Of course, they've had Max Verstappen now for two years in a row. Um, and uh, George Russell of Mercedes-Benz is on the dock. I mean, Formula One is so hot right now. Uh, you know, we, we already know that it's coming to Vegas. It's been Miami once. Uh, I had the good fortune. Amazing. Did you go? Uh, no, I went to Austin last year. But, um, but we're really looking at Vegas as the next, um, uh, the next event to attend. I've had Stefano Domenicali, who's the Formula One uh, CEO, was at Lamborghini, was at Ferrari. Fascinating guys as well. So, you know, anything in that realm, I think I'm, I'm up for and then when you go outside of cars and culture, what else are you getting into these days? Well, I mentioned uh, Presidio Group, so I'm working with uh, Brody, George Corollas, Brody Corollas, Brody, uh, Key Style, and yeah. they're they're really investing in a lot of uh, startups, applying the tech, applying investment to the technology that's going to change the retail space. And you know that that's a perfect union. And by the way, they're they're one of the only uh, brokers that's uh, uh, FINRA certified and. Uh, 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 
heavily regulated. In other words, in a true investment bank. Yeah, they can handle both sides. They can handle both They're sides. They're not just sell side. And it's impressive, and their culture is impressive, and they are just And their wonderful. track record is impressive. Well, all you have to do is mention Suburban Collection or Park Place located here in Dallas. They have a very strong connection with the Sewell family. Um, and they do both. They're also unusual that they do both tech and dealership. Exactly right. Yeah, so in, in that way, um, extremely great uh, to work with. And I mentioned Feldman Automotive. Uh, what Jay has done with uh, his whole team has, has also been uh, wonderful. And his partner, Mark Wahlberg. And his partner, Mark yeah, Wahlberg, who was yeah. guest number one on Cars and Culture. So oh, Wow, fantastic. Yeah. Um, anything else that, that, that the audience should know, Jason, as we move forward? Uh, no, I just I thank you for doing this. Uh, thank you for being a spokesperson for the industry and for setting up this impressive list of guests that you've had here over the last day or two. Uh, I know it's a it's a long one. I'm grateful to be on this. Well, listen, it was uh, it was so wonderful uh, to be with you and Melissa last night, and then and to have you on Melissa tonight. Blake of Brownstein, of course. Yes, yes, the leading lobbying uh, if firm somebody, in Washington D.C. I'm sorry, could you say that again? <laughs> Brownstein, <laughs> the number one lobbying firm in D.C. and also based in Colorado. Yes. And expanding in Florida. <laughs> your, next, and, your next guest. Yes. And she uh, also has a cash app. So if anybody wants to make a donation, <laughs> yeah. Venmo, Zelle, cash app. Hourly rates are very reasonable. <laughs> I should know. I'm a client. <laughs> well, listen, uh, what a pleasure and an honor to thank, have thank you, you here. David. You've been, you've done so much for the industry uh, for years and years. And it's absolutely uh, exciting uh, to see what you're doing with cars and culture. And I'm very excited. Personally, I know that the industry, many of us are, to see where you're going to go next and who you're going to be interviewing next. So thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The David Spizak Show. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button and leave a rating wherever you're listening right now. I look forward to having you back in the room where it happens. Music.